Yeah. I mean, I think the hardest thing to do is win your regular season conference championship. Because everybody knows. I mean, you can get lucky in a tournament, uh, you know, or, or get bad luck in a tournament. That stuff go. But if you, like, um, you know, you, you guys know how much I love consistency. If you can win your regular season conference championship, that means you're consistent. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a Mardi Gras edition of Boot Up, the LSU basketball podcast. I'm Cody Worsham, digital media reporter for LSU Athletics. And today I am also Cody Worsham, father of two children that are three years old and 18 months old, uh, which means those children are out of school. And I am recording at 1230 on Tuesday as they have both just gone down for naps, thankfully. So uh, the goal of this podcast is to get everything recorded without waking either one of them. So wish me luck uh, on this endeavor. Uh, On to the basketball. On today's show, we are going to recap LSU's win at Alabama. We are going to look ahead to LSU's Wednesday matchup with Florida. And we are going to answer a bunch of mailbag questions. So uh, we're going to come back later in the week, hopefully with a player interview. Uh, We do have a player lined up. We'll see if it uh, it works out. We should be able to get him on. And uh, we were planning to have another interview for this episode, but schedules didn't match up with the the Mardi Gras holiday and all that stuff. So uh, hopefully we will revisit that next week. And hopefully we will revisit that next week after LSU has won an SEC championship uh, with the win over Alabama, a 74-69 decision. The Tigers enter the last week of SEC play with the SEC title in their hands. Tigers are tied with Tennessee atop the conference after Tennessee knocked off Kentucky in Knoxville over the weekend. And so LSU heads into the final week going to Florida and with Vanderbilt coming to Baton Rouge, with a chance to win its first SEC title in 10 years. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well uh, and answer some of your questions. But let's first start by looking back at the weekend's win over Alabama. Tigers win 74-69. A couple things that stood out, obviously, uh, the play of Javante Smart, who was the SEC freshman of the week this week, starting again at point guard for Tremont Waters. Tremont Waters did return. In this game, we will talk about that in a little bit, but uh, Javante Smart had another big game for the Tigers as he has been doing more and more lately, uh, whether he's coming off the bench, whether he is starting for Tremont Waters as he has in the last three games. He's just playing fantastic basketball, and uh, he got LSU off to a great start in Alabama. He finished the game with 19 points. He had 13 of their first 18, 8 of 17 from the field, 4 assists, uh, 2 steals. Just a great all-around game. From Javante Smart, who has really hit his stride lately. He's LSU's leading scorer in their last five games, averaging more than 17 points a game. And I actually checked the plus-minus numbers after the Alabama game. And he is now LSU's leader in plus-minus in conference play. So uh, that's that's a lot to say for a freshman, but Javante Smart is not a typical freshman. He continues to show that with the way he is playing. The thing that I really like about the way Javante Smart is playing right now is, I said this in the last episode, but he he just keeps getting in the paint and playing off of two feet, which early in the season, he he can get in the paint. He's just so big and strong. His first step is so good. His jab step is phenomenal. I know Skyler Mays was the one who 
dropped Riley Norris with a jab step. But Javante's jab step is just incredible, and he, he can get in the paint when he wants to. Um, but early in the season, I think he was struggling a little bit with the things that fesh, freshmen tend to struggle with when they get in the paint, and that's finishing over bigger defenders. That's making the right decisions. Uh, he is no longer struggling with those things. He's improved greatly with uh, with the way that he is not only making decisions in the paint, but the way he is finishing around the rim as well. The season, Javante shooting 48% at the rim, which is not a great number, but that's pretty typical for freshmen who get to the rim a lot. But in his last three games, he was 4 of 6 against Tennessee, 4 of 6 against Texas A&M, and 3 of 5 against Alabama on Saturday. So he's been 60%, 67%, and 67%. In his last three games at the rim, you can see great improvement there, and that's not by accident. Will Wade, at his press conference on Monday, talked about the work that Javante's done to, to work on that finishing uh, and make sure that he's making shots around the rim. You know, he's adjusted well. He's worked hard. He stays after and works with a 10-pound ball on his finishing and getting in there around the basket and doing what he needs to do. Sometimes he wears a weight vest when he does it. I mean, he, you know, he does, he does everything that he needs to do to, to put himself in position to be uh, to be successful, I think he's gotten more explosive. He takes good care of his body, which has allowed him to, to hold up throughout the season. I mean, he's been playing major major minutes for us the entire season, and uh, you know he's been able to take good care of his body, which has allowed him to hold up. And he's, he certainly hit his stride here. I think as he's gotten more comfortable, he's gotten more used to to finishing over the length and seeing the length, and he's continued to work over that. One of the other standouts against Alabama was Skyler Mays who, speaking of finishing, was LSU's closer down the stretch, scored 16 of his 20 points in the second half. He had 10 points in the last three minutes and 19 seconds of that game. And what amazes me about Skyler Mays right now, who also had six rebounds and three assists and just one turnover, had three steals, uh, he also guarded Kyra Lewis Jr., Alabama's best player, held him to three of 16 shooting. All of that is great, but what amazes me most about, uh, about Skyler Mays at the moment is how efficient he's been while struggling from the three-point line. Um, he, he just, for whatever reason, hasn't been able to hit the three-point shot in conference play the way that he did in non-conference. He, he was shooting, I think, 40%, at least 40% coming into conference play. He's only shooting 23% in the conference from three, but he still remains the most efficient guard in the SEC. If you look at offensive rating, he's the most efficient guard, uh, only only Three players are ahead of him, and I think they're all bigs. Um, and he's doing that without making a ton of threes, uh, and there's there's a few reasons for that. One, he doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, his turnover rate is eighth in the SEC. He makes good decisions with the basketball, and, and so he's not giving up uh, empty possessions. Uh, the other thing is he gets to the free throw line a ton. He is sixth in the SEC in free throw rate, and he's making 86% of his free throws, 87% of his free throws on the season. So he gets to the line, he makes his free throws, and he's really improved his finishing around the rim. I think people have noticed that. Um, but if you just look at his conference numbers from two-point in his freshman season, he was 44.6%. Uh, from two-point last season, he was 43.6%. This year, he is 52% uh, finishing inside the arc, which has been a, a huge improvement in his game. And at the rim this season, he's shooting 66.7%, which is the best figure among LSU's guards. Um, he, he's just really changed the way that he finishes around the rim. Uh, he's spent a lot of time with Greg Heyer, LSU's assistant coach and the guy that works with their guards, on his finishing around the rim. He has a pregame routine that he does every game uh, that involves finishing. 
And he had some huge ones against Alabama. He just kept attacking the rim. Like I said, he had 10 points in the final three minutes. He had a few of the biggest buckets of the game, including a, uh, a ridiculous alley-oop from Tremont Waters as LSU was up three with a little over a minute left. Tremont gets a steal and leaves it off the glass to Skyler Mays in a move that I think had everyone pretty uh, pretty terrified as soon as he made the decision. But uh, Skyler made it look easy. I think Tremont had plenty of trust in Skyler to make that play. And uh, once it was successfully completed, it certainly made a statement, and it um, it, it left the game uh, with no doubt as to who was going to win, even though there was a minute left. It sapped all the energy out of that building and just infused LSU with a ton of confidence. So uh, I know some people have complained about that play. Uh, I liked it. I like the swagger that it shows this team has uh, to go into Tuscaloosa, a place where LSU has not had a lot of success historically. I think they've won twice there in the last, I don't know, 15 trips or something, and to come back with a win. And a win that now has them in the last week of the SEC uh, at the top of the conference and with a chance to win the conference title. So um, let's talk a little bit, though, about Tremont Waters and, and the way that he played uh, on Saturday. He came back for the first time after missing two games with an illness. And while his box score numbers weren't mind-blowing, uh, he had five points and, and three assists in 24 minutes off of the bench. He did have four steals. Um I thought he did some nice things, particularly defensively with those four steals, particularly creating some uh, some opportunities off the dribble that other guys just can't create. They don't have that same skill set. Before the Alabama game, Will Wade talked a little bit about the impact that Tremont Waters would have. He called them the team safety blanket. When things break down, they can just give him the ball and, and he can make plays. And you saw that a little bit on Saturday, um, but he kind of eased his way into the game. I asked Will Wade about that on Monday and said, hey, what did you see from Tremont Waters? And he was pleased with the way that he played, even if the box score numbers weren't fantastic. He liked the approach that he had, uh, even if it's something that they want to adjust going forward. You know, I thought he did what he needed to do. I thought he was, you know, I we've talked, I've told, you know, I thought he was a little tentative, but for good reason, you know, we knew we were in good rhythm and I don't, I don't think he wanted to, he almost came in like, I don't want to, I don't want to screw anything up. But I told him, I said, you know, we, we've been great with you all year, so You've got to be aggressive and do what you do. He made some big plays for us at the end with his defensive steals um, and, the, and those sort of plays. I thought he did a, thought he did a great job at the end of the game uh, making uh, making plays. And you know he'll grow and, and continue to get more comfortable. And um, you know he, he'll be off his minutes restriction at Florida. We, we couldn't play him more than 25 minutes at Bama, so um, he'll be off his uh, he'll be off the minutes restriction. So it'll be the uh, alley alley action free there. Got to be perfectly honest, I was not expecting to ever cover a press conference where the phrase Ali Ali Oxen Free was used, but there you have it. Um, Tremont Waters will not be on a minutes restriction going into the Florida game. Will Wade was asked if Tremont would start that game. He said, look, you guys care way too much about who starts. Uh, I don't know if he's going to start or not. We'll see how the next couple days of practice go. Uh, I will say this, LSU is undefeated in, what is it now, five games where Tremont Waters comes off the bench. I don't read a whole lot into that. Um, I, I think he probably starts if all things are healthy and everything's going according to plan, but it also could be matchup dependent. It could be a situation where if you've got a bigger team that you want to match up bigger with, you could bring him off the bench and then finish the game with him. Uh, I'm kind of with Will Wade on this one. It doesn't really matter who starts. I think now that he's off a of minutes restriction, Tremont Waters will probably play 30 plus minutes and you'll see a lot of Javante Smart and Skylar Mays. And Tremont Waters all together because those three have been really, really good together in SEC play, as I mentioned on a previous podcast. Um, 
So I think that pretty much covers it for the way that I want to fully recap the Alabama game. I will mention that Nazareth once again had a huge second half. He finished the game with 12 points, 13 rebounds, and in the second half he had 8 points and 9 rebounds. If you missed the last episode of Boot Up, you could just scroll down your feed and see it. It's uh, I go one-on-one with Nazareth a little bit later in that episode, but he did talk about the success that he's had in second halves, and he credits a lot of that with the, the shape that he's gotten into. I think he arrived on campus at 272. He's down to 239 or somewhere around there. He's just in such better shape that he's able to step up in these second halves and take over when needed to. And I've been really impressed with the way that he's rebounded the basketball lately for LSU. Earlier in the year, he was more of a scorer and, and kind of let other guys uh, chip in with the rebounders. But he grabbed nine of LSU's 22 second-half rebounds, which is um, a phenomenal number and just shows how hard he's worked to improve on that end. And I think any questions about his motor can be put to rest because he's a guy that comes on strong at the end of games. He's a guy that steps up in big moments, that's made a bunch of big plays for LSU this year, had a bunch of big rebounds against Alabama. It's a big physical Alabama team. And uh, I was also looking at the numbers um, as I want to do. And it was funny. I was thinking about how well Javante Smart plays in road games because he's been, I think, shooting close to 40% from three in road games. But if you look at the plus minus numbers, Naz Reed is actually far and away LSU's uh, the highest player in plus minus on the road. He's plus 17 per 100 possessions uh, on the road. And when he's off the floor, LSU is minus 12 per 100 possessions. So there's a 29 point swing when Naz Reed is on the floor versus off the floor in these road games. And nobody else on the team is anywhere close to that. So um, Naz Reed's been really good on the road for LSU too. And uh, speaking of road wins, Naz Reed being good on the road, Javante Smart being good on the road, this team's been really good on the road. They're now 8-0 on the road in conference. They have the second longest road winning streak in the country behind Wofford and North Carolina. And it's the first 8-0 start in the SEC on the road for LSU since 1980-81. That team finished 8-1 uh, in the SEC on the road lost to UK in the final game. If LSU can beat Florida, they will finish with the best conference road record in program history, uh, as you hear me flipping through the wonderful notes provided by uh, LSU Sports Information Director Kent Lowe. Thanks to him, his notes are invaluable. The last thing that I want to touch on before we get into some Florida preview and then some mailbag questions is LSU's success in late game situations. This is, again, from Kent's notes. I kind of took his numbers and expanded on them. But in the last five minutes of game, so Will Wade talks about the six-minute games. The stats that I have are five-minute stats, so I'm going to use the last five minutes. But in the last five minutes of games this year, uh, excuse me, of games in SEC play, LSU has outscored its opponents 252-199. to Uh, If you break that down, that's about 3.3 points per game, which doesn't sound like a ton, but when you expand that out per 40 minutes – if, that, if the last five minutes of the game were a 40-minute segment for LSU, they would be outscoring opponents by 26.5 points per 40 minutes. That's how good this team has been down the stretch of games. And Will Wade talked about that a lot last year because last year's team wasn't great in those six-minute situations. And Will Wade talked about it a lot last year where he said great teams in, in late-game situations do three things. They take care of the basketball they make free throws, and they rebound on the defensive side because they don't give opportunities, second-chance opportunities to their opponents. And this team is really good at all three of those things. Despite having struggled early in the season with turnovers, they've been much better in SEC play. Despite struggling early in the season with defensive rebounding, they've been great in SEC play. And uh, and obviously they have made free throws 
all season long. And so that's uh, that is a winning recipe. That's a huge part of why LSU is fourteen and two right now. If you can outscore a team, uh, out outscore SEC foes by twenty six point five points per forty minutes in the last five minutes of games, you're going to win a ton of basketball games. And that's what LSU has done this year. But uh, the biggest game now for the Tigers that they need to win is at Florida on Wednesday, and it's a huge one. There's no getting past it. Uh, If LSU wins, they will return home on Saturday with a chance to either tie for the SEC regular season title or perhaps win it, depending on what happens with Kentucky and Tennessee. Uh, If you want a little glimpse of what those two teams have, so the the current situation, I'll just reset. LSU and Tennessee are tied at 14-2 atop the conference. Tennessee plays Tuesday, so I'm recording this Tuesday at 12.50 right now. Uh, Tennessee and Mississippi State play in Knoxville. Tuesday night, and then Tennessee goes to Auburn on Saturday, which will be a a very, very tough game for the Volunteers, and that will actually occur before LSU plays. LSU plays the very last game on Saturday uh, against Vanderbilt at 7.30, so they'll they'll know by the time the game starts what they have to do uh, and what the situation is, but uh, Tennessee has Mississippi State at home, Auburn on the road, which is a tough stretch, and Kentucky is uh, at Ole Miss on Tuesday uh, and Florida at home on Saturday. So I think LSU, if you were objectively looking at it, has the quote-unquote easiest finish of, of those two teams simply because they're playing Vanderbilt at home. Vanderbilt uh, has yet to win an SEC game, uh, but going to Florida is no easy task, and that is a team that knocked off LSU earlier this season and uh, until Saturday was on a five-game winning streak, which included that uh, that LSU win. Uh, they inexplicably lost to, to Georgia at home uh, in a game that I, had, I admittedly haven't watched, but they had been playing really well before that with five straight wins, and they're on the bubble. They are flat out on the bubble. Uh, last I checked, they were a 10 seed, and that, that may have been before the, the Georgia loss. They were projected to be a 10 seed, um, so they're going to need this when They're going to be hungry. It's senior night at home for Florida, who, again, uh, if you remember that first game, they're one of the best defensive teams in the country. Um, they're not super, super efficient offensively. In fact, if you look at just their conference numbers, they're right in the middle of the pack. Um, they play it slow. They play it gritty. They play physical. They force a lot of turnovers. And uh, it's going to be a tough matchup for LSU. Some key guys, I'm sure you remember, Andrew Nimhard had uh, eight, eight assists and I think only two turnovers against LSU was really effective. Noah Locke and Kayvon Allen on the wings made some big shots down the stretch. I thought Keontae Johnson, their their foreman, who's about six five, kind of that small ball four, made some really big plays for Florida. He's he's a bit of a matchup uh, difficulty. And then Kavarius Hayes, who uh, I think is one of the best defensive players in the conference, uh, made some incredible incredible defensive plays against LSU um, last time out. He he he's a force to deal with. So uh, it's going to be a really tough matchup for LSU. I, I think the Tigers will be focused. I think they'll uh, they'll show up ready to play. They've been better on the road this season than they have been at home. Uh, their road routine is something they worked on a ton in the offseason. We'll wait spend a ton of time on that, refining it and, and focusing on it, and uh, it's paid dividends so far. And this is the biggest one yet because uh, if LSU can go to Florida and get a win, they will uh, go into the last game of, the, of conference play either with a, uh, a share of the title already locked up if Tennessee loses on Tuesday or with a chance to uh, to lock that up on Saturday. So big things ahead for the Tigers, and it starts with uh, with Florida, a, uh, a 6 p.m. tip-off, I believe, on ESPN2. So 
we will be uh, locked in and loaded for that one. Um, I want to wrap up today's show by answering some of your questions that uh, that you submitted. We got a bunch of questions this week, so I wanted to dedicate as much time as I could to the mailbag portion. Uh, I'll start with this question from James Corwin. At James Corwin, he says, and, and this is a well-timed question, what would you say is the Achilles heel for the LSU basketball team? What kind of team gives them fits? James, thanks for the question. I have the perfect answer for you. <clears throat> Hold on, let me uh, let me do my Will Wade impression real quick. Gritty, grimy, tough, defensive-minded teams that are very physical. That's a pretty good impression, right? I've been, been working on that one a little bit. Um, okay, that was a terrible joke. I'm sorry. But, James, th- that's funny that you asked that question because Will Wade was asked that same question as you just heard in the press conference. Um, he actually said earlier this year, you'll probably remember I played it on the show, that Florida was the type of team that whenever, whenever LSU season ends – um, that'll be the type of team that that ends their season, and he didn't elaborate a ton on that. He kind of let let it speak for itself. But he was asked that question yesterday, and that's what he said: gritty, grimy teams um, that play physical and 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 guard you. Defensive minded teams that that play physically, um, and and Florida is the epitome of that. And Will Wade elaborated a little bit on why those kinds of teams have given LSU trouble this year. It's the same type of team that Houston is. Uh, the same type of team that, that Florida State is a little bit. Um, Missouri, who, who LSU almost lost to on the road earlier this year, that kind of team makes life difficult for LSU. I've seen it in person. I was at that Missouri game, and you could just see that Missouri had, had stymied LSU. And if you look talent for talent, LSU's got a more talented roster, but it's the way these teams play and what they do that gives LSU issues. And, and here's Will Wade talking about that on Monday. Be the the way they throw you off rhythm we can't you're not as in rhythm all night so you're always out of rhythm you're always um you can't just dial stuff up all the time where you're in rhythm so you're just always out of rhythm and you've got to be able to to play out of rhythm and, and it takes a different type team to be able to do that and um hopefully we can make that adjustment and, and, and play that way i think another achilles heel for this lsu team and you saw this against alabama in particular on saturday was the issues that they've had against zone defenses. And, and a part of that is LSU just hasn't shot the ball well lately. I think at this point in the season, the numbers speak for themselves. LSU is not an elite shooting team. I do think they're a better shooting team than the numbers show. Uh, I think they've been streaky and, and been up and down and not having Tremont Waters, who's been so good off the catch this season, the catch and shoot for the last couple of games has, has hurt. Um, but I, I think LSU's struggles against zone offenses is another Achilles heel and something that I, I'm sure Will Wade is working on. In fact, I think he talked about it on his coach's show last night on the radio um, that is, is something that they've been emphasizing. But if you look at their numbers against zones this season, um, they actually rank in the 43rd percentile nationally. They're scoring 0.908 points per, per possession uh, in the half court against zone defenses, which is not a great number, and that's that's a number they're going to have to improve and, and get better at. But um, right now it's something that they're going to have to straighten out. One thing that I like to see, they've done it a couple times this year. It's hard to do with the personnel you have on the floor. I'd like to see him put Skyler Mays in the middle of that zone. Uh, and I know he's he, they, they count on his outside shooting, even though he hasn't shot a great in SEC play. I think his numbers will come back up shooting the three. I'd like to see him in the middle of that zone, though. The way that he drives, the way that he makes decisions in the paint, he's so strong with the ball. They've done it a couple times this year. And they tried it a little bit against Florida. I think Skyler Mays in the middle of that zone offense can give you a lot of options. And so I'll be curious to see if that's something that 
that they try. Um, let's move on to the next question. This one's from Stephen Miller uh, at DSports24. Uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, LSU win out this week. What seed do they get in the NCAA tournament, or will the SEC tournament be the bigger barometer as to where they are seeded? Um, that's a good question, Stephen. I don't know. That's that's a little bit further ahead than I like to look. Um, I do think that if LSU, Kentucky, Tennessee win out this week, obviously LSU and Tennessee share the SEC regular season title. Tennessee's bigger body of work, even though LSU beat Tennessee, their body of work is a little bit better. They're, they're higher in the net. Um, LSU will move up, and then I think LSU's at 13 right now. Tennessee's, I think, f- fifth or sixth, somewhere in the, in the in the top five, I believe, um, or, or sniffing thereabouts. Uh, but I think Tennessee's body of work with the, this non-conference schedule they played, even though LSU's was very good, a little bit better. Um, I think they would probably be the favorites for the one seed at that point. It would depend a little bit on the SEC tournament. I think what you've seen in the past few years is that um, the, the selection committee doesn't pay a ton of attention to what happens on Sunday of the, the, the conference tournaments um, for some of these higher seeded spots, um, but they will pay attention to what happens through Saturday. And if LSU does win out and Tennessee and Kentucky win out, LSU will be the one seed, and those two teams will be on the opposite side of the bracket, which will make LSU's path to a championship game, I think you would argue, a little bit easier. Um, but I do want to take this opportunity, and I had another question from, from Nicholas Cole, uh, at Nicholas Cole 40 who asked two questions. His first one was, what does LSU need to do to lock up a three seed? or earn a two, I think LSU is pretty comfortably a three seed right now. Um, I think they would have to lose a bunch of games to fall off the three seed at this point. I don't see that happening with this team. But Nicholas's question and Steven's question gives me an opportunity to play a clip that I listened to on from the uh, the Ion College Basketball podcast that Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander do. It's a great college basketball podcast. If you don't listen to it, you, sh- you should definitely subscribe. I'll have a link in the description of this episode that you can go follow to subscribe to it. But they actually talked about LSU this week and their seeding chances. And I thought the conversation was good, and I think it would be good for you guys to hear. So I'll play that really, really quickly right here. I saw some people tweeting that, man, I hope these two play in the SEC tournament final. Um, And LSU must be sitting over there like, hey, (laughs) what about us? Because if this thing plays out the way um, at least Ken Palm projects it to, uh, Tennessee and LSU are going to share the SEC title. But because LSU is 1-0 against Tennessee, I believe this is right, LSU would be the one seed in the SEC tournament. Yes. Tennessee the two, Kentucky the three. So if they play again, it, it's more likely to be in the SEC tournament semifinal as opposed to the SEC tournament final. Um, I'm not sure if most people realize that. Yeah, uh, LSU is sitting very well here. I don't know uh, – in the semifinal, fine. Like, whatever, just get, have, them, have them meet up again. Um I don't know if LSU has a shot here at the one. I suspect that it does if it can win out. I'm glad you brought up LSU as a possible number one seed because I really haven't heard anybody talk about that. And the resume's there. You know, I, I noticed it when I was updating the top 25 and one on, I guess, Saturday or Sunday, one of the days. Um, they got, they're nine and two in quadrant one opportunities, 16 and five in Q1 slash Q2 opportunities. So there is absolutely a scenario where LSU gets a one seed in the NCAA tournament. I, I'm not sure they'll get it. It obviously involves them closing strongly and probably uh, winning the SEC tournament, so they just might not do that. But if they do enough this week to be at least co-SEC champs and and then win the SEC tournament, I would think that they're in the conversation for for a, a one seed, which is um, you know remarkable because they started – this season outside of the top 20 in the AP poll. Um, they've obviously missed Tremont Waters for a few games. They dealt with a tragedy in the preseason. 
and um, you know, it was down in Orlando in November. They got run off the court by an Oklahoma State team that's like at near the bottom of the Big Twelve, and yet, despite all of that, they're you know, as of March third, they're in, they're in, they've got a real shot to get a one seed in the NCAA tournament. So Will Wade obviously doing a a great job in, in, in Baton Rouge. And Gary touched on it there, speaking about LSU's resume. This is, again, from Kent Lowe's game notes. LSU's actually second in the country in quad one and quad two wins. Uh, if you don't know what quad one and quad two wins means, um, it's a little bit complicated. I'll try to explain it as quickly as possible. But basically, a quad one win is a home win over a top 25 team, a neutral site win over a top 50 team, or a road win over a top 75 team. Uh, quad two is kind of the next tier. I, I couldn't give you the exact numbers, but um, it, it basically categorizes opponents into the best group of opponents, quad one opponents, the, the second best group, quad two, and then it goes all the way down to quad four. LSU is uh, second nationally in combined quad one and two wins with 16. Only Michigan has more with 17. And last I checked, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but on Monday I checked, LSU had the best winning percentage or tied for the best winning percentage in the country against quad one teams at nine and two. And uh, that was tied for the second most wins over quad one teams. Uh, I believe one other team had 10 quad one wins. I don't remember who it was off the top of my head. Maybe in Kansas. Um, but LSU's resume at the top has been very, very good this year. They are in position to get a very good seed if they can close things out. Um, all that said, I forgot to play this audio earlier in the show, so I want to play it here. Um, the most important thing for LSU right now is not in say tournament seeding necessarily. They are focused on winning the conference title. Will Wade was asked about that, you know, in, in this day and age where seeding matters and the end of the season results matter, um, conference regular season titles. People don't remember that as much. Is that something that's important to you? And yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, I think the hardest thing to do is win your regular season conference championship. Because everybody know. I mean, you can get lucky in a tournament, uh, you know, or, or get bad luck in a tournament. That stuff go. But if you, like, um, you know, you, you guys know how much I love consistency. If you can win your regular season conference championship, that means you're consistent. The second question from Nicholas Cole was about Emmett Williams. You're worried about Emmett any? What does Wade do to get him going again? Ever since the Kentucky game, he seems to be out of sync, starting to develop a habit of using fouls for defense. I'm not super worried about Emmett Williams. I mentioned the plus-minus numbers earlier in the episode in conference games and said Javante Smart was number one. Emmett Williams is number two. He's right behind him. When he's been on the floor for the most part, LSU's been super, super effective in SEC play. I don't think he's playing as well as he would like to at the moment. And you're right, foul trouble has been a big part of that. He's gotten foul trouble the last couple of games. But when he hasn't been in foul trouble, he's been really, really effective for LSU. Um, I'm not too worried about him. He's a motor guy. He, he's a guy that brings it every game, brings it every day at practice. And I think he's got a big role to play for LSU down the stretch um, of this season. So, not worried about him. I'm, I know Will Wade has a plan for him, how to get him going again. He's so in tune with his players' psychological standpoint and and uh, and, and their performance and, and enhancing that as much as possible. So I think they'll definitely have a plan to get Emmett Williams back on track, and uh, I wouldn't be too, too worried about it. Uh, another question from uh, Aaron Arsenault at Scoobins. What do you think the biggest issue with this team is going forward? Do you see anything as a glaring weakness in the te- this team? Or do you think if we keep playing like we've been playing, we'll be just fine? Uh, I mentioned zone offense earlier in the show. I think that's that's a concern, something that LSU is going to have to clean up. 
Um, I think turning the ball over, while LSU has been much, much better with that of late, uh, it has been an Achilles heel at times this season. And Florida in particular is very, very good at forcing turnovers. And then I, I think I think the biggest thing is just the way that this team is shooting the ball. Um, from from three in particular, they've just they've struggled quite a bit of late. I do think those numbers will come up. I think they'll shoot a better percentage right now. They're 13th in the SEC, shooting 30.4% from three. I do think that'll trend up, but at some point, teams are going to sense that, and, and that, that ties into the zone offense stuff too, but at some point, teams are just going to start giving those shots away, packing it in, and taking away other stuff. LSU does have the ability to neutralize some of that with its offensive rebounding, with its free throw shooting, its ability to get to the line, but I do think they're going to have to shoot the ball better uh, if they want to make a serious run down the stretch. The good thing is, I think they got shooters. I think Skyler May is going to shoot the ball better. Javante Smart's been shooting it better lately. Tremont Waters has been really, really good shooting the ball off the catch and shoot this year. I think that will continue. And, uh, you know, I think guys like Darius Days are going to knock down big shots. I, I think this team is going to be able to make shots uh, when they need to. All right, that's all that I've got for this week. Uh, thank you for everyone sending in your questions. I'll try to send out another submission for questions Wednesday after the game, after LSU takes on Florida. We will also come back later in the week, hopefully. Uh, the plan is to come back with an interview uh, with one of the players. Um, I don't want to say who, just in case it doesn't work out, but we should be able to roll with that on Thursday and have something ready for you for Friday. And hopefully be previewing at that point uh, a huge historic game against Vanderbilt. Because uh, if LSU goes and beats Florida, they will be playing for an SEC championship one Saturday against Vanderbilt. So that's uh, that's super exciting, and it's a great time to be following LSU basketball. It's a great time to be covering LSU basketball. Thank you all for listening. Uh, last bit of housekeeping that I always do. If you haven't yet, please subscribe. Please give us a rating. Please give us a review. That's uh, we. Hey, you got a top ten basketball team now. Let's get a, a top ten podcast. You know, all I got to do is give it a rating. If you haven't yet, send it to a friend. Send it to your mom. Send it to your dad. I mean, I got my dad listening to it. Like my dad, who just got an iPhone, who just got rid of his flip phone uh, in the last couple of months. He is now listening to this podcast. Uh, if my dad can do it, your dad can do it as well. Dad, thanks for listening. Thanks to everyone else for listening as well. Until next time, boot up. <laughs>